and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Hello, everybody. Toot, toot. How are you? Beep, beep. Making sure. Making sure what? I can be heard. I hear you and I see you. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome to our friendly world. This is Fawn. And Matt. Why do you wait so long to say and Matt? See, I, I did it with my cohort and then maybe I say something. <laughs> oh. Sorry. So, you know, you kind of... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me start again. Good morning. Welcome to our friendly world. This is Fawn and my cohort. Matt. <laughs> Welcome Lord. to our friendly world. Okay. I know we have a subject planned for today, but I wanted to start off with three nuggets. Nugget sounds terrible, doesn't it? It sounds like... Well, that's because I like to say nostril nugget or... Or like something that comes out of... Um, <laughs> No, or but, gold, you know. All right, I just want to share three things that are not necessarily related to what we're talking about today, but it is. I have like one, two, three different sources. She's milking it, folks. What do you mean I'm milking it? Talk. I have something to share. I have something to share. Okay, the first one comes from the Heart Math Institute, and they do a lot of research about the heart and the magnetic field of the heart, the magnetic field of the earth, and how we're all interconnected. One of the things that they were studying, how the brain modifies sensory perception. Okay, so here's what they did. It says, in recent work by Schnall, Harbor, Stefanucci, and Prophet, hill slants were judged as less steep when participants stood next to a friend. Okay. Moreover, this effect was moderated by the duration of the friendship. The longer the friendship, the less steep the hill. Does that make sense? Should I explain that? Isn't that amazing? Well, it makes sense. But also for me personally, it's like if I'm in a car and I'm traveling for a couple of hours, if I'm by myself, I'm listening to tunes, I'm jamming, but it takes an interesting amount of time. If I'm with someone I don't want to necessarily be with, it takes longer. Yeah. And when I'm with somebody who I really like, then the road is a lot shorter because we're joking, we're clowning, we're being silly. And all of a sudden we can, you know, I've taken a couple of really long trips with friends. And like I went to Moab and, you know, it was like, oh, well, there's Vegas because we passed Vegas on our way. And it was just like, oh, okay. It wasn't like, oh my God, it's so far to Vegas. It was just, we were just hanging out and just being. So I totally get that. Yeah. Here's what else they said regarding walking uphill and oh, yeah. it doesn't feel as burdensome when you're with a friend. Right. And if you're with a really good friend, it's much shorter. It says, in essence, what they are describing is that our perception of walking uphill is different when we're in emotional resonance with someone. The deeper the emotional connection, the less steep the hill appears. Isn't that interesting? That anyway, is interesting. I love the heart math people. And then, but then in my own other way it's like cycling going up a hill by myself is shorter going up with someone else it it feels longer and 
here's I think the reason why, and I think I'm still in agreement with them. It's when I'm when I'm biking up a mountain or a hill with someone else, I'm constantly concerned. We're not actually necessarily talking because we're going up. Usually, I'm a mountain biker, so we're going up single track. And even if I wasn't going up a dirt path, it's still we would ride single file. You're so concerned about the other person. So you're not just in harmony with them. You're like, are you okay? Am I keeping up with you? There's, there's a lot more angst. You're worried about their welfare. Exactly. Whereas so you, if I'm by myself, then I'm just puttering up. Hmm. Yeah. So. so you have empathy. The empathy maybe slows Right. And it's down. not a, I'm walking up a hill with, with my friends. It's I'm going up this mountain and I need to make sure that I'm not being a burden and I'm not bur- and they're not and, you know and I'm paying attention to their welfare mm-hmm. so it's it's a different thing I love that about you all right the second one is from our friend Greg Braden and my one of my favorite <sighs> scientists he kissed my girl on the cheek when she, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah I'm she just kidding so Greg cute. we love Greg Braden he he kissed our our daughter Elle on the cheek and she respects him so much and we were all standing there and it it was the first time she had met him she started talking in a high-pitched squeal for the rest of the for the rest of the day (laughs) she did and she kept saying that was the this is the best day of my whole life and I think that's what bothers Matt (laughs) okay let's be fair she was um, a fair amount younger than she is now I know but it was the cutest thing Mm mm-hmm Yes, it was. Okay, so let's see. Well, I can't find the exact quote that Greg said, but mm-hmm. it has something to do with basically everything, all the major emotions, because we've been talking about emotions a lot. And I think that's our main focus of our show today is emotions. And the underlying nature, the underlying reason for anger, rage, prejudice, like All the big, big stuff, right? The underlying emotion of all that is unresolved fear. And that's definitely something I want to explore and talk about. Like really delve into that. Well, fear is such such a base, I think, emotion. It's one of those things that we come to from, you know, I can hear a bear, I better get the heck away from here. Or I believe I'm all alone at night and I hear a sound. I mean, it's very, it's very primal. So listen to this. This is from Greg's book, Wisdom Codes. But he's actually the one who turned me on to Dr. Candace Pert. And one of her books, which is so brilliant, called Molecules of Emotion. Totally brilliant. So here's what he says. The pioneering work of Candace Pert. And he talks about the her revol- re- I can't talk today. Her Whoa. revolutionary book called Molecules of Emotion paved the way for the scientific foundation to understand how the chemical signals of our unresolved fears, known as fear-related neuropeptides, can be stored indefinitely in the tissues, glands, and organs of the body until our fear response has been resolved and the chemicals can be metabolized. So, so wait, wait, what is she trying to say? Is she trying to say that we have to fully embrace and experience our fear to let it go? Or yeah, what, is, what is that? You know, now, I don't know who mentioned this, but we've heard this a lot, how really any emotion that is charged that creates chemistry 
in your cells, if you allow yourself to feel it for 90 seconds, that is the duration it takes for it to completely leave your system as long as you're willing to stay with it. So whatever heightened emotion you have, just let it be for 90 seconds. Don't try to push it away. Whatever that heightened thing is, it takes 90 seconds for it to completely release from your body. What I understand is that it's generational. Those emotions, those memories go from generation to generation. So when one generation experiences such horror, it's embedded in the molecules. They're stored in your cells, the memory of it, even though you didn't live it, even though you didn't live that horror. That it's like a trained response you know there they've there are lots of studies about it like um, i definitely hear the words coming out of your mouth but god i don't i, I want to reject that cuz i'm not because we don't believe in genetics well, we don't believe i that. also don't want to believe that the sins of the father are weighed on the child so i'm unwilling to blindly agree with that statement and i really really hope you're wrong well it's not me it's research Anyway, you know That's what? That's even worse. I'll have, to, I'll have to get back to you and like find out exactly <laughs> the areas where I found this stuff. But I want to say they do it in labs too. Like they, a mouse will get a shock right. for doing something. And then the children of the mouse will not even attempt that whatever it was where they received the shock. Mm. Because it's just, it's, it's memory stored and passed on. I've also heard about... Um you can teach, uh, I think it's some kind of worm, but I'm not 100% sure, to run a maze. Then you can chop him up and feed him to other worms, and they'll actually figure out how, they'll actually then know how to run the maze. But that's a, that's a worm. That's the same worm. But they ate that worm. Ew. Oh, honey. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't have any verification on that. I just, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yes. Anyway, just- but things are transferred, you know? thoughts and emotions okay so the third piece of gold nugget nugget gold nugget is a quote from jose mujica who was the president of uruguay oh okay he says happiness comes from having the ability to take care of ourselves and our families and friends to have friends and time to spend with them and to have the freedom to do what motivates you. He was talking about money is definitely important. It's good to have money, but everyone should be able to have the kind of life where they can spend their time with their friends and their family and to help each other. Mm, yes. And that's really the true value in life. Right. Not, not, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but of it's not just buying stuff, accumulating stuff. The true meaning of life is to support one another and to be together and live the life you want to live and there at the end he also does say if you do something you love you'll never work a day in your life did he say that well it also? sounded like it right there at the last sentence here let me see here <laughs> grabbing the piece of paper here uh and to have the freedom to do what motivates you so you know if you have to work and i frankly most of us do if you do something that you love or something that motivates you then you're not really working that's not what i totally got from that 
Like, no, I just got... I get... Right. Mm-hmm. You want to focus on friendship, and I get that, and I just want to take a look at it holistically and, yeah, feel it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it just feels like our society has ramped up to such a degree where it's just work, 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 work. And we don't even have time to spend with friends. And when the pandemic happened and people were forced to stay inside, it seemed like people were like, oh, now I can have all this time to be with friends. Right. But I just found that that really wasn't the case. I felt like in so many ways, everyone's getting busier and the sense of time is going faster and faster so that it feels like we have less time for most of us. This is what I've been talking to friends about. And we're, most of us are pretty much in agreement about how fast time seems to be going and that there's so much work to do. Right. And feeling that sense of overwhelm. Yeah, no, no, no. I definitely, I definitely understand that. I have, I have all sorts of different friends. And um, yeah, it seems like at a point in time where people would be more available, they seem like they're less available. As far as like, you know, hey, let's hang out, um, which is interesting. I just, so, you know, my belief is it's all about busy work, busy work. Even at work in corporations, don't you find that a lot of it is they just want you to be there and it's not about how much work you actually produce. I'm not talking about the company you're with right now. I'm just talking about in general, like it, right. it, it's funny, but it's true. But like the Homer Simpson kind of approach like you're just you're there and you have to be there and just because you're there doesn't mean you're working right so therefore you have to put in a 40 plus hour week definitely where you can get the work done in maybe 10 to 15 hours well yeah and and that does vary for sure but uh yeah there is a certain element facetime for instance is very important and i have to say and even in this day and age it's like it seems like if you're on Slack, people expect you to instantly ping them back. Right, you're always on call. So you're always on call when you're available on Slack. But if you're if you're all of a sudden busy or you're unavailable on Slack, then people start to assume maybe you're not putting in the effort you want. And I can remember different jobs. Um, once in a while, and not very often, there would be that maverick who would who, who would figure out what they were going to do that day, do it and leave. And the earlier they could do it, then, but everybody kind of looked at him cross-eyed, like he gets a lot of work done, but that's not really the kind of employee we want. And it's like, why not? What kind of employee do you want? And indeed they want you to be there because I think they have this perception that, oh my God, he got all this done and he was only here for like five hours. Imagine if he was here for eight. Right. But what they don't understand is in order for him to give you those five hours, he needed those 19 away. Exactly. But. Exactly. You know, and that's, that's one of the things that people start to assume is if we just make everybody work 10 hour days for three months, we can get this project done. And that's not necessarily the case. Okay. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, this seems like this um, shackle that we all have attached to us is this constant, um, I don't know how to describe it without sounding so terrible, but okay, if I could use an example of 
a baby elephant being shackled by these chains, right? And as the elephant, and so the, the baby elephant knows it has to stay there. And as the elephant grows to full size, that same chain with the same um, uh, strength to hold, right. hold it is the same. Right. So the elephant can now easily just snap that chain off, but it doesn't. The elephant doesn't. The elephant stays shackled. Right. Because there's a perception that, you know, this thing all my life has held me to this, to this stake. So I'm, I'm bound to this. Yes. To me, and maybe this is why I got fired from so many corporations and stuff, but to me, (laughs) that's what it is. You don't need this whole concept of a 40 hour week to me, I think is the downfall for families and for friendships in our society because let's face it at the end of the day we're tired there's no room there's no capacity for any kind of a true relationship and when there is to me what i've noticed is it's going out and getting drunk or like going crazy you know but true meaningful time that you spend with friends with family time that could be just being quiet and sitting quietly together just being present Mm -hmm. there's no room for that and i blame the way we have this fear in our society to 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 make it big to to not even make it big but to survive being in that constant survival mode doesn't leave you any space or room for creativity and creativity comes in many forms. It comes in art, of course. It comes in how you relate to one another. It comes in the quiet time that's needed to just be still, to contemplate things and to understand someone else. That's creativity, don't you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. So anyway, that was the third nugget. <laughs> nugget. So today, today's episode... It's kind of a takeoff of what we were talking about before, just a little bit over a little bit. It's about ego and self-expression. So I wanted to say, honey, I I think I've solved it. I think this is the problem in our society. Uh Uh-oh, watch out. (laughs) Speaking of ego, folks. It's, It's all about what we do with all the unresolved emotions and how we've come here and how things have become so charged in the world. Everything seems to be on fire, like I always say. Things are on fire. There are so many people reasonably, like justifiably upset. And all of a sudden we're realizing, you and I, that everybody wants to to step in. Right, but but wait a second. One thing we always like to certainly tell our kids, or I like to tell our kids anyways, is that if you're feeling something, if you're feeling injustice or you're feeling rage or you're feeling, these are your feelings. I can't tell you, oh my God, you should not feel that way. That is completely wrong. You are just wrong for feeling that way. Correct. I believe all feelings are valid. All feelings need to be expressed. Yes. And we I need to get to the root of the feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is always, most of the time, it's fear. Right. So like when, remember like when, all of a sudden there would be a loud noise and the kids would start crying. Yes. We would never say, oh, it was nothing. Don't cry. It was nothing. We never said that. We're like, that was scary. 
that scared me too. Right. You have every right to be feeling what you're feeling. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And when, when our oldest was freaking out a little bit, I'm going to bed, like, you know, what's under the bed. I made a little sign that said, no bears, no bats, no ghosts, no. And I said, I have this sign and they're going to respect that. And it was right. just a crayon drawing on a three by five blank index card. I we still had, have it, by the way. We we had to carry that to many places. Um, <laughs> I used to sleep with it next to me. It's 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 in the little box I used to have next to me that's currently upstairs. I know. We I should frame it. it. Eh, possibly. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one tactic we did use. Yeah, but all, basically, all feelings are valid. Right. All pain is valid. I was listening to this interview with this Holocaust survivor who is a psychologist, and she was saying a lot of her clients say to her, well, I feel guilty telling you about my problems, given what you've been through, right? and how most of your family was killed, and what you saw. Right. And, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's talk said, about first world problems versus real no, problems but here's, there for a second. Here, but here's what she said. She said, pain is pain. And there's no, no one has a higher level necessarily. Everybody's pain is still pain. That is definitely true. And that's what she would tell. I I mean, those weren't her exact words, but I found that to be so selfless. And so that's the subject for today is pain is pain. And although we do, our kids are coming in, if you hear stuff. Um, So... No, I can't concentrate. My mom brain is now on. Oh, dear. I can't focus. Can you help me? <laughs> no, I can't, unfortunately, because my dad brain is now activated. You have that, too? A little bit. Really? Okay, so. Yes. <laughs> so pain is pain. And how do we express it? How do we express it inside of a, a friendship? Well, yeah, but can we first back up a little bit and say what we talk about what we've been noticing is that We've been noticing this for years. Things have been building up, right? And especially, so we're original homeschoolers. We've been homeschooling from the very beginning of when the kids were born. And so one of the things that part of our curriculum is we make sure when we teach history, we try to find all the information we can get our hands on from many different perspectives, not just what is written in a couple of books because I teach our kids to always challenge the source. Who are they? What's their reason for telling the story the way they're telling the story, right? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And certainly uh, they always say history is written by the victors, which is a little daunting when you really think about it. But so we made sure that from a very, and I got so much heat from people and other moms especially for this, but from the very beginning, I made sure that our kids knew what really happened, especially in the United States with slavery and, you know, going back to Sparta and well, we, Athens. We, and we Americans are a bloodthirsty lot. And to, I heard 90-something percent of our history has been in war. Like, the whole time the United States has been in existence, we've been at war. It was something like 95% of the time. I think you can very carefully construct numbers on either side because technically speaking manifest destiny in the american expansion were we america no it was the oklahoma territory it was the i mean it eventually turned into america 
But that was, that's an interesting chunk of our history. And if you go all the way back to, I think Plymouth was 1640 or something insane. Were we at war then? And is that America? So again, statistics are, are hellacious things, but yes, certainly first Gulf War, second Gulf War, Vietnam, Korea. I mean, we've always been... World War Two, World War One. We've always been taking over and killing and... Right. Spanish-American War. And and back and back and back. And the First Nation people, look at what... Look at how it all started. Hence Manifest Destiny, yes. Okay, thank you. So, thinking about all of this, I started to notice we never talk about any of this. We definitely don't speak about the... Uh, we don't, we, we, we just gloss over things. And it starts with children in school. And I think we're doing people and our society in general a huge disservice by not teaching our kids this. And what has been thrown at me is you're, you're stealing their childhood. You're destroying their sense of innocence. And I don't think so because I speak to our children in a loving way. I consider them to be ambassadors of love. And I'm just in a very calm way saying, look, this is what people have done and it's our job to turn it around. And I don't believe with all the information I gave them that it stole their childhood or it steals their childhood. Does that make sense? It does. And yet... It, I mean, do you agree with me? It, are you are you I, upset with me teaching them so much? No, no, no. I, I, I think it, I think it, it, disar- it literally disarms people that, um, you know, our children are so mature and they can have adult conversations uh, because they do, because they, they, we've gotten to the root of facts. I mean, as, as a child, what did I learn about the Indians, as air, I air quote Indians, you know? I learned that... Um, one, Thanksgiving. Hey, Ridiculous. awesome. Ridiculous. Number two, Custer and Little Bighorn. That's it. That is it that I learned about, air quote again, Indians. It was through my own research that I even learned about, like, the French and Indian War and understanding different battles that had been fought, Tippecanoe, and that sort of thing, and the Trail of Tears, and... Um, so we, we got into all of that with the girls right? and got in deep as much as we could, because I'm sure there's still so much we don't know. I know, I know for a fact, there's still a lot more. I think Mm -hmm. it would take, it would take eight years of college level research to really begin to scratch the surface of what really happened. Well, yeah. Because we don't have the stories. This is the point I'm trying to make. Okay. Because I know we're in 27 minutes now. But the point I'm trying to make is there's there's never been true conversation. There's been so much trauma and there's never been conversation. And there's sure as hell has not been the, uh, any listening to the people that were so hurt. Can you wow. help me out instead of sitting back and just staring at me? <laughs> See, I can't read your mind right now, so. You always read my mind. You tell me I yell when I'm thinking. You do, but unfortunately our children are making little noises, so I'm I'm confused. So going back to that, so I just want to reemphasize the problems. Okay, here's me figuring out the real reason for all the problems we're having right now. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Okay, I'm going to solve the world right now. Good. Okay, 
it, it comes from lack of conversation, the lack of uh, telling our stories. I was talking to a friend and I asked her what her take is on what's going on in the world with the pandemic, with right. uh, the racial injustice that's c finally coming out and being talked about somewhat. Mm -hmm. Like all these different things, the environment, all that. And w the words that came out of her mouth, I was I had to really hold myself down and really listen to her because it when you first listen to it superficially it sounded so callous basically she was saying it's everybody's egos right now and I can't handle it like I don't want to listen to all this ego we should be investing our energy in some other way and I don't agree with that right now people who have been hurt need to express themselves there are so many stories am i making sense no no you're totally making sense please help me because i know i'm always sleep deprived so i think i'm <laughs> making sense in my head and when i listen back i'm like what what are you talking about no no, no. You're, you're you're making complete sense and that means right now we need to focus on the lives we've hurt and listen to their stories because there is no conversation so many things keep happening as we go through life that it piles up, right? It piles up and you get to a point where now you have so much that has been swept under the rug. Where do you start? Now every group has pain that's never been, uh, never been what's expressed. The word? expressed or um, acknowledged. You know, like Germany, what they did, they talk about it. And I believe they're able to progress in their society in a slightly better way because they acknowledge what happened. They talk about it. Right. They teach it. They teach how they how awful they were. They admit what they did. Yes. We don't talk about what we did. And if someone does talk about it, they are not treated well or shut away. Well, yeah. Cause if you take a knee, you're shut away. I, I if, don't. You, if you bring it up in school, you're not allowed to teach that in school. Right. And and that's because we kind of, and I fall prey to this as much as anyone else. I, I kind of like to think that one day I woke up in a mansion and I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. And so I don't care about how I got here. That can be a very comfortable place to be, but it's not a very honest one. You got here with the help an effort of your fellow brothers and sisters who are not white. Generation after generation. See, now my wife is looking at me very sweetly and I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. I? Oh, and I don't. I'm starting I, I to wasn't feel uncomfortable because guess what? Maybe I should. Maybe you should what? Feel uncomfortable. Maybe I should feel guilty and maybe Take I should feel. Take the 90 seconds. Take the 90 seconds. Uncomfortable. But see, this is what I'm talking about. People so don't want to feel the discomfort of 90 seconds or the discomfort of hearing someone's story, no matter how hard and horrible or how much it may attack your ego, it makes things worse. Just take the 90 seconds and let it leave you. Let it talk to you and let it get resolved. I did notice this with friendship, this whole conversation thing and the last big big blow up that we had our family and another family we were friends with and the blow up happened because 
things were done, things kept being done, they they crossed lines of privacy and respect. And so totally in a very calm way, I was like, you know, you're my dear friend. I love you. But what you said, what you did really hurt my feelings. And it, that's a deal breaker for me to not have this sense of respect. So because I love you, I'm just saying that I want you to realize that that affected me that way. Well, they this family was not used to talking. They would say horrible things to each other. They would treat each other however way they felt. And they would never talk about what transpired. They never talked about the awful things that they said. They just went along like it never happened. And that's the kind of family I was raised with, by the way. They would say the most effed up things to you. Be so abusive. And pretend it never happened. And if I ever brought it up and said to them, you know, I'm feeling this way because of these actions. And, I, you know, in a very calm way, just like how I'm talking to you now, it would create such a storm, such a fight that I was wrong. How dare you? You're wrong. And that famous phrase, how dare you? Right? Right. Because they don't have the capacity to carry on a conversation or to hear someone's pain, someone's well, story. It's also, as we talked about before, it's logic versus emotion. You were trying to come at them very logically, and they have their emotional force shields and, up, and so you're going to lose. Problem. Absolutely. That's the problem. Because conversations are not being had, because the conversations aren't happening, the emotions get built up more and more as time goes on to the point where you it's unmanageable. So I think in our world right now, there is so much that has not been managed. There's so much that has not been heard. We're not listening. We're not hearing. Right. So I was talking to KJ, who's going to be coming on our show. She's a psychologist. I'm like, what do we do? And you said, you, I asked you the same thing before I talked to KJ. And you both said the same thing. Uh-oh. One story at a time. Like, what do we do when everybody needs to be expressing themselves you know and this goes back to my other friend she was saying everybody's egos are involved right now and everybody needs to be quiet basically is what she said <laughs> i think i think because i was getting emotional talk right. um, listening to her i was trying really hard mm -hmm. to hear what she had to say but that's the issue right now so we're going to change things one conversation at a time but then the trick is is what do we do you know, do you think maybe she said that because she didn't have the physical capacity to hear someone else's story because maybe she has too much going on on, on her own? I want her to come on the show. No, no, no. Because I, I, I respect understand. her. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I completely understand. <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, it can be a real problem when I feel like, you know, uh, shut your whining because I'm dealing with my own stuff over here that you don't even know. Um, you know, I think, I think everybody is dealing with a lot of stuff and it can be hard to put your own ego aside and be there for someone else. How do we do that? You do that. You do that a lot. I've noticed. And you do it a lot at work. You totally put away your ego, especially with three of us in the household. <laughs> Seriously, because we were like, 
so emotional and will just be emotional and start crying. You know, the stereotypical girls versus guy thing, right? You're surrounded by a Be- three beautiful women, folks. Three beautiful women, exactly, who are we're not afraid of expressing our emotions, right? And you, <laughs> I feel bad for you <laughs> because you you tend to put away your ego and listen objectively to us. Well, I try, but uh, you know, I, I I have my own for the most and, part. I have my own fits and spurts, and you know, I want to say, especially lately, I've, but you do I've it had at the work. more. I'm sorry, say that again. Well, I've had more emotional fits and spurts, but you don't see them because... Where are they? In the shower? Where are you at? This morning. This morning I was online and I was on... It's actually an interesting site. It's called humansofnewyork.com and it's it's people and it's pictures of people and it's their stories and they're all New Yorkers. I mean, the Love guy travels to various and sundry different places. But I read a story today about a woman who... Um, so it was a long story, but, um, yeah, it moved me. I, you know, I started tearing up just because it was a very powerful story and it was the story of somebody who was believing in her and then she let this person down, but in the end she didn't. So she, she, this person went to great lengths to get her into college and, and then she dropped out. Um, but then later on in her life, she, she went and she got her degree she went to she went to night school and got her degree and after she did then she felt like she could actually talk to this person again and then she talked to the person and said you know why did you believe in me and you know the person said it's it's because i could see it it's because it was always there i could always see what you could do so anyways i read stories like that and i get emotional but it's usually like wicked early in the morning so y'all don't see it that's just becoming emotional what if but I feel like in some you, way I'm releasing some of my emotion at the same time. Absolutely. Do you think that's what tears are? Like when Dr. Pert, Candace Pert talks about molecules of emotion. I know that certain tears carry different chemistry in them, depending on the emotion. Do you think tears are the toxic stuff in your cells that are coming out? If you're feeling sad? That's a good question. I mean, I just have to... I mean, I do know that... Because why do you feel so good after a cry? Exactly. Do you feel good after a cry? Exactly. Um, I typically don't, but that's me. (laughs) Why? Because I'm a man and I'm not allowed. No, um, honestly, I don't know. Uh, But uh, uh, I certainly don't feel worse, for sure. And I feel like maybe part of like the pressure I am under is a little bit gone. And, mm-hmm. and I've certainly had the kind of cry where it's like you feel like you literally just popped a cork on champagne and you've just got all this stuff pouring out. I mean, I think everybody's probably been in that predicament where you finally were able to let go of your emotion. Hopefully. But, you know, sometimes as a guy, you let go of your emotions by doing something very physical. Sometimes when I'm feeling emotional about something i'll go ahead and i'll write some code frankly because i'm a programmer when it can be a stupid little algorithm write a little bubble source or dust something it doesn't matter but i've consciously done something you know and, and i've done i've done the classical freudian thing i had a i had a job once upon a time a while ago and i was feeling very defeated by it you're going to love this one. This one's a good one. So without really even necessarily thinking about it at that point in time, I was probably in my 20s, but 
I love Lego. So I was playing with Lego. I made like 12 different towers. There's not a phallic thing going on there, is there? <laughs> Heck yes, there was. But it didn't even register. I just felt the need to build something with a pattern that was strong and, and I could look at and say, I did that. That expressed how virile you are, right? How well, th that's what Freud would say. And yeah. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the raw phallicness of it. I think that it's good to be able to sit back and see that you've done something mm -hmm. as opposed to when you feel like you're not doing anything, that you feel like you're not learning anything, that you feel like you're not anything, frankly. And I think that building something tangible that you can look at makes people feel that way. I, I have to imagine that like someone who builds their own home, my God, that must be the most awesome feeling that you can literally like you wake up and you're like, there's the kitchen cabinets. I built those. Now maybe you're pissed because of the, you know, had you done it now, you do it differently, but you still get to say, I did that. So in order to show up for other people and to hear their stories, are you saying that we we need to get into a space where we can take care of our house? Make something that makes you feel fortified in some way, emotionally, so then you can show up to here without your ego showing up for someone else. Yeah, I, I always like to say... Is I'm, that what you do at work? Because you do that a lot at work, and I don't think people realize that. I like to put my house in order is how I describe it. And I stole that from somebody and God knows who... But I like to make sure my house is in order. Also, like the way like I'll tease my friends is that there's a little truth in the sting and they feed it back to me. And sometimes I can't take it and I say, hey, look, can we stop? But more often than not, I'm able to quote unquote take it because it is a truth about me that somebody can throw out. And then I take it and I redirect it back to them with a little truth to them, a little sting. And it's a way of expressing maybe our pain in a, in a not like a, in a not, not in a kumbaya moment, but in a, in a moment of understanding, you know, case in point, And you don't know this either. <gasps> no, Jim came to me and he's got some, some serious stuff and it just is. And I, I create a place, we create a safe place for each other that we can talk about these things. And so we're able to talk about these things because we've been able to talk about smaller issues in the past. I'll joke around with them a little bit. I'll tell them, hey, this is what I'm thinking. This, this would be good. This would be bad. So we're able to do that. So he was able to come to me this week and talk about an employee that was, he was, yeah, he's, he's a boss. So he, he has the unfortunate displeasure of needing to, you know, reprimand people and things like that. So, you know, I was able to create a safe space for him to feel like, because he had to do it. But for him to feel like he wasn't a bad person, because he'll he'll feel that way, and I think everybody does. I've had to I've had to lay people off, and it's 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 the worst. So I purposefully don't accept positions where I be in that position. Right. So, yeah, it's about putting your own house in order. It's about understanding where you're at, because again, pithy saying, you know, I believe that the only way you can have a friend is be a friend and friends listen and friends share and friends communicate. Mm -hmm. um, but if I come at you immediately with, you know, I just met you and here's a list of my 27 problems that I just so desperately need to talk about. 
you're going to run. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening. I know that's what happened to us. We lived on Bainbridge Island, and we found that there was no culture of friendship, and that's how Be Friendly started, was because of Bainbridge Island. And what we, what we started to experience there, but we noticed really it's happening worldwide, but especially so in the United States, that's where it all came from, was Bainbridge Island for us. Right. And when I was pregnant with Elle, our first child, they almost killed us at the hospital. Right. It was one fiasco after another, cover up after cover up to cover the hospital, covering up their tracks so they don't get sued. And we weren't even thinking of that. We were just fighting for survival. I was just trying to figure out how to even navigate this new road I was on. All you of a had sudden, me on this part in this part of the hospital, and L on this part of the hospital in this part of the hospital, like separated. And we were both in dire situations. We both needed you, and it was just us. Nobody to help us. Right. And the doctors sure as hell didn't care. Right. And I blame, honestly, racial issues. And it was it was horrific. Every day, like, we were there for two weeks. And we had so much trauma that when we did come through it, and we needed to talk about it, I felt like, and at the same time, we were still new to Bainbridge Island, so we were, you know, trying to make friends and everything. I, I, I just needed to talk to somebody. Right. And not a psychologist. That was, I needed a friend. Right. I'm getting all teared up. Yep. There she is, folks. No, but it's good. I mean, I, we before I couldn't talk about this without, I, I mean, I would cry so hard I couldn't even get a word out. Right talking about just remembering the trauma so right. i'm better but i recall yeah as soon as we would meet someone i would start telling them our story and i could see them retract right <laughs> right absolutely because <laughs> it's, it's an impossible thing for somebody to hear i mean yeah what we went through was you know bordering on felt like criminal sometimes it was criminal and you know we had honey get don't get it twisted it was had, criminal we had one person come visit us remember yeah and we had one angel of a nurse yeah but aside from that we were on our own and thank god we had both of those people so but that's what that's what happens in our society we're not the only ones i know we're not but that's what happens when we can't tell our stories nobody has the capacity to be able to withstand someone else's trauma right now because they're experiencing their own because they haven't been hurt either. Right. So there's no room. So in closing our show today, that's what I want to get out there. If Okay, I'm going to put out a challenge. It's not a challenge, but um, a statement or a thought. And that is, let's begin to really listen to each other and regardless of what you're going through if you can just breathe for 90 seconds and listen listen to someone or at least say these two magical words of hearing seeing i hear you i see you that that changes chemistry in someone right away words have power right yes i hear you I see you, I see you, I hear you. 
so important. And I think right. that's the beginning. But it's also, I think, extremely important to put aside your own ego and your need to discuss your pain at that moment, which is incredibly frustrating and difficult. That's what I'm saying. But to literally just say, I hear you, I see you, let's explore your feelings about it as much as you want. Yeah. And that's what we're here to do. That's our mission for our friendly world. Yes. This is well, how we're no, going to no, be. Certainly, certainly. I, I, I think that generally speaking, the wisest people are the people who listen more than they talk. As we're sitting here talking for an hour. Well, we need more friends to come and join us so we can actually listen. How do we do this? Do I go on social media or something and ask people to come out with their stories? What do we do? I don't know. It's a good question. If you know, please email me. Go to www. Do I have to say all the W's as a programmer? Do I have to say that? It's so annoying. <laughs> Befriendlyworld.com. Contact me. Just type in your browser, befriendlyworld.com, and it should take you where you need to go. Okay, thank you. I don't have to say the W's, right? <clears throat> HTTP colon forward slash oh, forward slash. Why is it lately when I Google so or when I put something in, <laughs> it makes me do that now? I never had to do that before. Why do I have to put the HTTP thing in there? This doesn't matter. It, I couldn't get somewhere the other day. Never mind. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, friends. How should we close this off? Let's talk soon. We'll talk in a few days. That is your thoughts. Sounds good. We're listening. Okay, everybody. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.